You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JCastNetwork.org. Good morning. Um, we are continuing in this uh, um, examination of uh, what the, what's the point of Judaism. Um, and uh, uh, trying to uh, identify the rationale for the various uh, uh, commandments that, uh, that that we follow, many of which um, uh, have very opaque um, uh, reasons behind them. Um, you know, my uh, um, I, I, I get a lot of my rabbinic inspiration from my uh, Aunt Judy. Aunt Judy, I don't think she's listening to the podcast, but maybe she will listen to the podcast if I tell her that I mentioned her. And, uh, and so she talks about, uh, um, the fact that, you know, one of the reasons that she, um, has, has all but, um, uh, left, uh, Judaism as a, uh, practice in, in, Ju- in, uh, the Jewish community, um, in her adult years is because growing up, um, she was, uh, um, uh, she felt a sense that, uh, um, uh, that, that, that Judaism was just, you know, um, a set of practices that you, um, learn and, and adopt and do by rote. Um, uh, without any deeper sense of, uh, of, of spiritual or intellectual connection, um, to what it is you're doing. Um, and, uh, um, and so I, I, I constantly have my Aunt Judy in mind, um, as a, as a rabbi because I think that that's, um, uh, very often the, the perception that, uh, that, that people have, um, is that Judaism is a whole, uh, uh, you know, core, uh, corpus of actions that, uh, that we do. Uh, many of which we don't really uh, know why we do, or we don't uh, uh, teach how we know why we do. Um, and one of those uh, um, issues is uh, kashrut, I think. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, very often um, uh, presented as uh, something that Jews do um, uh, without... Um, much of an explanation being given as to why uh, Jews do it or why one uh, might consider doing it. Um, uh, um, and when explanations are given, often um, they're kind of unsatisfactory, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, the, um, the famously, um, the classical reform movement um, argued that... Uh, that the reason the Bible uh, bans the consumption of pork um, is because of a concern at the time that people didn't know how to cook it properly, and it would make people sick. Um, and uh, and so the uh, the the outcome of that line of argument is that since we know how to cook pork po- properly now, it should no longer be forbidden. Um, now there have been uh, biblical uh, theorists, etc., who who've challenged that uh, uh, that that view. Um, but uh, but uh, often uh, explanations for kosher, you know, are so, sort of can take that vein, right? They're 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 health related issues, um, um, uh, or uh, they're they're kind of um, um, spiritual concerns that. Um, that, that don't get borne out, at least to me, in the experience of eating kosher, right? So, you know, I, 
uh, I, I've heard people teach, oh, you know, the reason that we eat, uh, we have to eat animals that have uh, split hooves and, and chew their cud um, is because, um, uh, you know, the, it, it, it symbolizes a more reflective um, approach to living, right? Chewing your cud, you like regurgitate and you turn it over, etc. Um, and uh, um, and so w- what uh, what the uh, tradition is trying to cultivate in us is a sense that we should you know be like what we eat. We should uh, um, be like animals that are more you know reflective and contemplative, etc. Um, but that doesn't really, at least to me, get borne out in the experience. I don't uh, I don't I don't feel more contemplative when I eat a cow. Um, than I did when I was growing up and I ate pork. Um, so, um, so, so that, that rationale, even though it's a a rationale, it doesn't really work for me because I don't, um, uh, it, it, um, um, it, it, it doesn't, it's not really reflected by the experience. So the question is, is there a rationale for, uh, for keeping kosher, um, that, uh, isn't in one of those categories, right? That isn't a sort of like pseudoscience, um, and that isn't a, um, a an, an amorphous spiritualism. Um, part of the challenge of it is that the Torah really gives no reason for the laws of, of Kashrut, right? So this is one um, in, in which uh, what, what uh, um, in, in the traditional formulation is a, is a chok, right? A, a law that has no uh, basis in reason um, and whose reason is not outlined or explained in the Torah. Um, so that's part of the, uh, part of the challenge, um, of, uh, of the laws of Kashrut. And another challenge is that, uh, um, there isn't just, you know, one law in the Torah that says thou shalt keep kosher. Kashrut is a system that's an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different laws in the Torah, um, including what kind of animals we're allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. Um, including uh, the laws of, uh, of of kosher slaughter, of which there are several laws, um, uh, and uh, and and if you want to be really uh, particular about it, um, uh, the agricultural laws dealing with how produce is is grown um, and uh, tithed and uh, etc. in in Israel are also uh, laws of uh, uh, that the factor into kosher or laws that relate to how we eat. And I would say that uh, um, that that uh, uh, very helpfully, the conservative movement has uh, has tried to advance a sense that um, uh, that the uh, ritual laws going into what we eat um, are are still only one piece of the puzzle, and there are um, a whole host of behavioral norms um, uh, in in areas like uh, business law, labor relations, etc. Um, that also relate to how our food is produced, um, and so therefore should also go into the laws of kosher. So you're really not dealing with, you know, just one law in the Torah, you're dealing with a whole bunch. So the, the law I wanted to look at today uh, is um, uh, the, the law prohibiting uh, treif. Um, uh, so that's, uh, uh, now treif is sort of a catch-all term today for, like, anything that's not kosher. But in the Torah, treifa uh, referred to something specific. Uh, a trefa is um, an animal with a, uh, well, it could mean one of, it means uh, not one of two things, but but uh, but either of two things. Um, either an, an animal that's had a, a mortal wound inflicted on it um, in some way um, uh, that, uh, that is then slaughtered. Right? So in other words, it was going to die of its wounds. Um, uh, but then you've slaughtered it, um, uh, so, so it's di- it, 
approximately it died from the from the shechting. Uh, but it, but if you hadn't shechted it, it would have bled to death or something like that, right? Um, so that's one dimension of trefa. Um, and the other dimension is, uh, is, uh, a, a limb torn from a live animal, essentially. Um, so, uh, um, uh, so that, uh, um, you haven't, the, the animal has not fully died or has not died by the Jewish tradition's definition of, uh, of death. Um, and nevertheless, you're eating it, right? So, um, um, uh, so it doesn't, it, I mean, I guess it could mean literally like you went to a live animal and pulled its leg off and started gnawing on it, but it means probably something a little bit more subtle than that in practice, which is, um, uh, did you start butchering an animal before it was legally defined as being dead? Um, and both of those relate to the uh, the process of kosher slaughter, right? So the process of kosher slaughter um, intends to uh, make an animal uh, um, legally dead uh, before it can be butchered. Um, and, sick and, the, and the other piece of it is that uh, that that uh, a, a sick animal, an animal that would have died naturally, uh, well, natu- not naturally, and, and so would have died of its wounds or injuries or something like that. Um, I, um, I, even if it's slaughtered, um, it can't be consumed, right? Um, and what what seems to be behind both of those aspects um, is that um, uh, the uh, uh, that that what makes uh, one of the criteria that makes uh, meat fit for consumption by observant Jews um, is that um, its death has to be um, uh, uh, intentional. And in a certain prescribed manner, um, uh, so it has to be. Uh, so it can't. Uh, it can't be like going to die, right? Um, it has to be an intentional death. Um, it has to be um, a, a, a death that, uh, that that happens relatively swiftly, right? Because if it wasn't a death that needed to happen relatively swiftly, it wouldn't matter. Let the animal bleed to death. Why would I need to, you know, get my knife dirty, right? So it needs to be a death that happens in a relatively uh, uh, swift manner. Um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, uh, um, yeah, so there's no am there. Um, the other, uh, piece of this that's, uh, brought up in the Torah, sort of alongside uh, of this, is, uh, that we're not allowed to eat what's called nevela, um, which is an animal that has died, um, on its own, uh, before it's been slaughtered or before it's been butchered. Um, so it's related in that sense, right? So you can't, you'd say, well, you know, like, it, that's even better, right, to eat an animal that's already, that's already dead, uh, because then I don't have to, you know, uh, commit the moral, um, challenge of taking the life of a living being. But the Torah, uh, goes out of its way to say, no, you can't do that. You can't, uh, consume, uh, meat from an animal that, that's died on its own. Um, it needs to, uh, have died by your hands, essentially, right? It needs to be an intentional death. Now, now, what's happening? Red card. There are two, cord- actually, there's red, one red, that's red, not a card. Oh. There's a, there, I don't know what that one is with the red head and the long beak. Hmm. Oh, there is. That's not a cardinal? It, the second one, I don't know if it's a cardinal. That's a cardinal. Uh, the blue jay. There's a blue jay, there's a cardinal, and wow. there's this... Thing with a red the head and a long beak, and Springs I don't know what it is. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Where do they stay? I don't Where know. Well, there's a little birdhouse out there, isn't there? Yeah. Is that what's a child? Oh, I think that the kids put something. Oh yeah, there are some. 
that. Sorry for the distraction. No, that's, I just want to say that this is the very definition in the Mishnah of uh, the one who is uh, 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 studying and pauses from his studies to say what a lovely tree and what a beautiful right, field well, is guilty of a capital offense. Well, so, um, we did it then. Because that's, it's, it's, it's stunning because of the, um, the winterscape, the teeny yeah. bits of snow, the pale brick, and then these vibrant birds. Uh, yeah, it is, it's uh, gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous birds. No, I can't see them. Uh, you know, they like, they like, um, Laser focus, right? Who does? The rabbis, yeah. Focus. Well, at least that one rabbi of the Mishnah. That's a very challenging Mishnah uh, for, for, for those like me that think Judaism keeps us very in tune with the uh, 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 rhythms of the natural world. But um, in any event, right, so uh, um, so uh, there, there are probably health reasons in the um, in, in the in both of these laws as well, that uh, Nevela, if an animal died of a natural death, um, it's you know possible that uh, that that it was disease that it's um, so there there is that for sure um, and same thing with the trefa right uh, an animal with a with a mortal wound um, could have infections and and that sort of thing so there there are definitely um, uh, health issues that go along with it but I think there's something deeper going on so um, here's what the sefer chinuch says about it uh, and then I'm going to give you uh, my take but I'm I'm also interested in hearing your take. So 285, uh, because it's a really uh, rather lengthy response, we'll just read the English. At the root of this precept lies the reason that the body is an instrument of the spirit. With it, it that that I, that I don't have any quarrels with. Um, uh, well, maybe I do, but that's, uh, um, I'll go back to that in, in a moment. But um, without it, it can never complete its work. Therefore, uh, the spirit came uh, into its shadow for the spirit's benefit and not for its harm. For God never does harm, but only does good to benefit all. Thus we find that the body at its command is like a pair of tongs in the hand of a blacksmith. With it, he can produce a tool fit for its purpose. It's a, the, the soul is to the body like, uh, um, uh, uh, like, like, uh, like tong, uh, like a, uh, like a blacksmith is to tongs. Um, now in truth, if the tongs are strong and properly shaped to grasp tools in them, the craftsman can make them well. If the tongs are not good, the tools will never come out properly shaped and fit. In the same way, if there is any loss or damage in the body of any kind, some function of the intelligence will be nullified corresponding to that defect. For this reason, our whole and perfect Torah removed us far from anything that causes such defect. Uh, defect. In, in other words, um, uh, if the body is an instrument of the spirit, um, then uh, some kind of um, injury or malady in the body has a, has a negative impact on the soul. In this vein, according to the plain meaning, we would say we were given a ban by the Torah against all forbidden, forbidden foods. And if there are some among them whose harm is known, understood, neither by us nor by the wise men of medicine, do not wonder about them. The faithful, trustworthy, capital P, physician, who adjured, God, who adjured us about them is wiser than both you and them. How foolish and hasty would anyone be who thought that nothing is harmful or useful except as he understands it. In other words, uh, the laws of Kashrut were given for physical health. And, uh, and, and uh, even though medical science 
may not always agree with uh, with with, uh, with with kashrut. God knows better than all the doctors and dietitians in the world, um, uh, and so um, so uh, we shouldn't uh, um, eat anything that the Torah says we shouldn't eat because it's harmful, um, and we should uh, um, only eat those foods that the Torah tells us to eat because they are not harmful, um, despite what others might say. For you should know that for our own good, their reason and their harm of forbidden foods was not revealed, for fear that people would rise up who considered themselves very wise, and becoming overwise, they would say, this harm which the Torah said exists in that thing is so only in that place, since such is its nature, or only for a man whose nature is thus and so. Then some fool uh, may... Uh, be foolishly persuaded by their words. Because of this, their reason was not revealed to help us avoid the stumbling block. In other words, the Torah doesn't give the reason for the laws of Kashrut um, because it doesn't want uh, some, you know, um, medical science guy to come and say, yeah, you know, the Torah gives that reason for not eating pork, but it really um, was only talking about a certain kind of case for a certain kind of person, and it's not really relevant for everybody else. So if you know how to cook pork properly, or you're not a person who's predisposed to, uh, um, you, know, um, uh, uh, you know, catching bacterial infections or something like that, then eating pork is fine. The Torah wasn't talking about you, right? Um, so he's saying that's not what, what happened. The Torah specifically didn't give the reasons for... Uh, the laws of Kashrut, um, because it didn't want people to go down that road. Now this matter is known from the field of healing, that the meat of all trefa animals forbidden us will engender damage in the one who eats it, because the fact that it is trefa indicates illness in the animal. And do not find this difficult, and ask what loss or damage can there be in an animal which became trefa instantly and was ritually slaughtered at once. For not out of wisdom would you inquire about this. Certainly you know that everything has a beginning. And if you admit to me that in the course of time spoilage and damage may be found in it on account of its fatal condition, then you would have to admit that the damage began at that first instant, except that it is a very little at the beginning. But there is no doubt that harm will come from the damage even if it is little. What's that? I'm thinking about the movie. Um... Osage County. If anybody see it, because you're eating its fear. I didn't see the movie, but uh, um, so that's very interesting. Um, and uh, um, I don't. Th- I actually think he's talking about something a little bit more talkless than that. Than that, which is pretty amazing for a medieval, but like bacterial infections and, right. and viruses right, right. and things like that. Um, and, and saying that uh, um, that that the that the infection can be small and instantaneous with a with a serious wound. Um, the other piece about uh, about the the fear, I think, is actually um, a, a major component of uh, of of kosh roots, right? That um, um, that uh, one uh, part of the um, reason for the laws of shlita um, uh, is. Uh, um, the ideal of, um, of of a relatively painless death, um, which is not only physical pain but emotional pain, uh, and so shlita shouldn't be done in a way um, uh, where where the animal is caused um, 
uh, anxiety and, and fear by, um, uh, by by what's happening. Part of that uh, um, uh, part of that is for the animal, and part of that is for us, right? Um, uh, I think so. You know, there is a there is a true truism to that. Um, uh, okay. Moreover, all the laws of the Torah and anything which is to endure must be established with such a fence. For if you limit your words of Torah to be observed only in parts, nothing will ever endure with you permanently. Right. So, um, so even if the animal had a small wound and wasn't going to die right away, uh, and then was shechted, nevertheless, um, uh, that's a fence that we keep around. So that's what the Sefer Chinuch says, and and so that that I think um, kind of actually uh, hits both. Uh, directions that I talked about at the beginning. It, it's, uh, th- there's, there's science-y stuff in it, um, and there's a spiritually stuff in it. Um, um, neither of which, personally, I find all that satisfying. Um, so, I, so the way I see it is this, um, and this is regarding the laws of Trefa, but, uh, but, but some of the other ones as well. Um, the, the, the spirit stuff actually, I, I think, uh, um, uh, is relevant. So l- let's go back. That the, that the body is an instrument of the spirit. In other words, there's a, there's an inseparable connection between our, our souls and our bodies. That, so that means that, uh, the Jewish religion, um, is not just about, you know, deep spiritual contemplation and meditation and, um, uh, cultivating a, uh, a, a um, um, an intellectual or emotional relationship with God, it's also um, about, you know, what, uh, our physical lives, what, what we do, what we eat, uh, um, etc., et right? So there's a spirituality in our physicality. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and spirituality, I think, includes um, um, our moral character, right? Um, um, who we are, how we relate to other uh, living beings. Um, the notion of not eating trefa and nevela, right? Not eating uh, um, uh, mortally wounded animals or, or animals that have died on their own. Like I said before, you might say, oh, okay, well, that's actually um, uh, um, morally superior because uh, you didn't have to inflict the damage on the animal. The animal had the damage inflicted on it itself, and now you get to reap the benefits of it. So I say it's morally inferior for the for the for Jewish law to say that you actually have to be the one who kills the animal, but I actually think that that's exactly the Torah's point. I think the Torah wants us to have an awareness that to consume meat um, involves an act of life taking, um, and that it is therefore something that shouldn't be treated lightly. Right? Um, it is not. Um, uh, it is not the necessary state of human living to consume meat. And so uh, we read in the Bible, actually, that the first two human beings were vegetarians, designed to be vegetarians, and uh, the permission to eat meat um, only came after the flood. It seems like it was a concession to human beings um, uh, following that. And it came with some of these prohibitions of not eating limb torn from a live animal, etc., um, and it was even uh, uh, more narrowed. The permission was narrowed a little bit more um, once the Torah uh, uh, was given to the Jewish people um, so that you're not allowed to eat any meat. You're only allowed to eat certain kinds of animals, and you're only allowed to eat them in, in, in certain kinds of ways. But, but ultimately, the, the ethic that's being brought there is that um, eating meat is not a human ideal, um, and it's not a human ideal because it involves the taking of life. 
um, and it's okay to do so long as um, uh, uh, you, you ha have a reverent attitude um, in doing it. And the way to have a reverent attitude in doing it is to know and to be conscious of the uh, of, of the act of killing when you're when when you're doing it. To 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 um, eat animals that have died naturally or or will die naturally um, defeats the purpose that's trying to be cultivated in um, in in having those laws. And it's even why uh, Maimonides went so far as to imply. Uh, that um, that one should not eat meat unless one is prepared to kill that meat, uh, that animal, him or herself, um, which is a pretty high standard. But um, but I think actually going to the core of what uh, the tradition is trying to to move us toward, um, which is a which is a sense that you personally are responsible for the death of of this animal, um, and you need to in order to eat the animal, you need to square yourself with that reality. Um, it's something that uh, um, I think, frankly, we've 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 lost in a very tragic way in in our time of um, of uh, industrial meat production, even in the kosher world, um, because uh, the 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 laws of slaughter are um, technically observed in those places, but the spirit of the laws of slaughter is often not observed in in those places. And certainly, by buying the like cellophane packages of meat, but in bulk in the grocery store. Um, I think it doubly removes us from the uh, the the intent, the spirit of uh, of those laws. Um, it's supposed to, I think, um, sensitize us to um, uh, to the to to the the life and feelings of creatures that are other than us. And human beings have a hard enough time um, imagining the humanity of other human beings. Um, uh, uh, all the more so for, uh, for, for animals, and especially for animals who we never really see and just see their body parts wrapped in cellophane in the grocery store. Yeah. I don't know when specifically and why it changed, but there was a time when you bought meat, kosher meat, you soaked and salted it at home. So, what happened? Business world. There's very yeah. few kosher butchers mm -hmm. it, that gave you that, well, they gave you the option, because I know my father was a kosher butcher, and there were people that said, no, you can give it to me, and I'll soak it at home. Oh, I, I, I'm sure. Uh, going back to the 60s or, yeah. or early 70s. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it, it goes to the same phenomenon that, my, you know, my, uh, Rachel, if you're listening to this, I apologize for, for uh, um, exposing you. My sister hates eating meat on the bone, right? Um because it, it feels... It's too much of a connection to an animal. Right, right. And I think that, that, that that's not an unusual impulse. And I think that, uh, that that smart business people in the kosher world picked up on that. Right, The less you have to do to may have a connection between that piece of meat and the animal that it came right. from, the better it is from a business standpoint. Right. But it right? speaks exactly to the issue you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about, that at least it connected us more to removing the blood of the animal, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. Because, uh, yeah... Listen, when you went into the butcher shop and you saw the chicken, the chicken hanging. hanging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's Michael Pollan. That was the whole premise the of his, the, the book when he went out and, and um, you know, just went hunting about the relationship between consumption and... Yes, okay, so... origin. Right, so th th there are people that, that I've heard that argument uh, about. So the, the the problem, 
that the problem that the Jewish tradition has with, with hunting is that um, uh, in, on one level you do uh, engender that connection between you and the life that you're taking in, in a way. Um, but there are two problems. The first is that, um, that when you hunt a, an animal, um, it's not always possible. Well, yes, that's true. But you can't eat it because um, uh, it, it, it may or may not die an instant death from the wound that you're inflicting on it with your, with, with your buckshot. Um, so that's one problem. Um, the other problem, I think, from the tradition's perspective, um, is that uh, um, the way we kill animals is up close and personal, Right? In order to shecht an animal, you have to look it in the eye, right? And that's actually, a, 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 I think, supposed to be a radical difference. Um, it isn't anymore in our time because we're so removed from the process. Um, but, uh, but I think it's supposed to be, right? And, uh, you know, in a, in a different kind of society, um, it would have been very close, right? People owned their animals that they were going to eat, and right that that it was Frank who had a personality, Frank the cow who had a personality, right that they had to bring to the butcher to to get shechted, right? Um, and we don't really have that anymore. So I think that that's part of the problem with uh, with with hunting too is is that uh, you, you know um, you look the animal in the eye only after you've uh, you've mortally wounded it. Um, uh, and then you have uh, the the problem. So you, there are people who ask, well, isn't the current uh, method of slaughter and industrial production that's that's in vogue is um, is uh, uh, bolting, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is essentially um, a uh, um, a gunshot wound to the head, um, but it's like a retractable bullet. Um, so so the animals sort of like lined up on a conveyor belt. And this machine, you know, is like shoves a piston through its head, essentially, um, which usually produces um, instant death. Um, actually, probably more instant than kosher slaughter does. As we'll say, well, then kosher slaughter. This actually is an argument that gets made that's being made in different places in Europe, right? That kosher slaughter is, is less humane for that reason. Um, and I guess there's an argument that could be made there, although the argument that I would make, and it goes back to what you're saying from, from that, from that movie whose name I can never quite remember, August in... August Osage County. Okay. A terrible name for a movie. Yeah. I assume it has something to do with the story, but terrible. No, it's, there was, was, the play was named that. Uh, was terrible name for a play. Uh, it was August and it was Osage I'm sure it was, yes. Um, but, uh, um, uh, but, uh, but I, I, uh, it seems to me that uh, that 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 death is uh, substantially more violent, even though it may be quicker um, and maybe less painless in the in the instant, but much more violent. And therefore, if you're on a conveyor belt of cows and seeing cows in front of you getting shot in the head one by one, my guess is the level of anxiety and fear and pain that you feel um, as, as an animal is different um, uh, than if you know. Um, uh, uh, than in another situation, um, uh, so um, uh, so that goes with uh, with with the issue of hunting too. You say, well, you know, I can get a good shot on that uh, on on that deer and have it die a quick and painless death. And the tradition says that that doesn't count. Right? That's not that that's not our definition of a quick and painless death. Ah, on the other hand, yes, there are the. Kosher slaughter practices, some of which are more sensitive, and some of which are less sensitive. 
Um, that's true. The hoisting and shackling yes. issue, um, which, and I'm I'm not really sure how it's done with large animals, um, but I know that that is one issue that um, people have spoken up against. That when you, I guess, by its feet you hoist and shackle it so it's hanging upside down, and then you shackle it versus. Um, I guess a stand. Maybe it's, I don't know. Well, so, I don't okay, understand. So, right. Yeah. So, the, um, everybody know what, what uh, the cantor is talking about? Um, that, uh, um, it, 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 it was a practice that originated. There, there was, there was, like anything, there was good intentions. Um, because in the early 20th century, after, you know, like the jungle by Upton Sinclair, um, they passed, the government passed the Pure Food, Food and Drug Act, um, uh, which, uh, the, the way um, butchers would usually slaughter larger animals, not chickens, um, is that you would actually have to put the animal on the ground um, to get the right kind of uh, uh, cut. Um, and um, um, because if the animal's standing upright, it would fall on the knife, um, pushing the knife in, which is not a, a valid kosher cut. Um so, uh, so the pure, pure Food and Drug Act said you can't, you know, slaughter an animal laying on the ground anymore. It's uh, not, not safe. Um, so they developed a system called shackling and hoisting, where they would hook a, you know, a shackle onto the back legs of the animal, string it upside down, and then um, uh, shakt it that way, um, uh, which is um, um, incredibly painful and hurtful to, uh, to, to animals, especially when it's done in an industrial fashion. Um, and so, uh, it, uh, probably 10 years ago or so, uh, the conservative movement's committee on law and standards, um, said that, uh, um, uh, Jews should not eat meat that was shackled and hoisted. Although if I remember the, um, tshuva correctly, it said that, um, that it doesn't mean that it's not kosher, right? So if you happen to eat meat that you found out later was shackled and hoisted, where you never find out that it was shackled and hoisted, um, it's, it, you didn't eat trafe, right? Um, that's, so it's saying it's not trafe, but you shouldn't eat it, right? Um, same thing with veal, um, uh, right? You shouldn't eat veal, according to the conservative movement, um, but it's not trafe. Um, um, but, you know, there's still places with, with uh, um, kosher meat production that, you know, I think very regularly use shackling hoisting, like in Argentina, and most of, much of Israel's kosher beef comes from Argentina, is imported from Argentina. So in Israel, it's actually, I think, hard to find kosher beef that's not shackled and hoisted. All of this has led um, um, a, a really growing food movement within the Jewish community, um, either reverting back to, uh, to vegetarianism, so a growing... Um, kosher vegetarian um, movement, um, or a, 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 a like a, um, a, a really kind of booming um, kosher um, uh, local organic, um, you know, we know the names of all of our animals sort of uh, uh, movements, places like Grow and Behold and um, Coal Foods and, 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 and uh, that sort of thing um, that uh, tries to mitigate some of the um, some of the uh, uh, effects of industrial kosher processing um, that uh, that that um, that have kind of removed the um, the 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 letter of the law of kashrut from its spirit and trying to bring the spirit back to uh, to, to the law. What about fish? I've never heard of it. Not not 
seafood, just fish. What makes a fish? How do you, how do you, um, ritually slaughter a fish? Yeah, you don't. Um, you can. What's that? Any which way you can. Yeah, right. A fish. The the act of taking out of the water is uh, essentially considered the uh, the ritual slaughter. Fish is a different uh, um, set of issues. Um, for various reasons, the tradition doesn't consider it. Um, um, oh, I mean, there, there are biological reasons for it also. I mean, like it, you know, um, evolutionarily, the mam uh, a cow is closer to us than a fish. Um, so it's easier to imagine the humanity and the uh, pain and suffering of a of a of a cow or a sheep than it is a, a fish. Um, even though it looks to me like when a fish is taken out of the water, it suffers greatly until it eventually runs out of uh, uh, air to breathe. Um, but uh, anyway, the, the laws about uh, what fish we can eat and why are in Leviticus, so um, stay tuned for when we uh, talk more about that.